and welcome to a brand new Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Mahachko. Joining me as always, he is the founder and our fearless leader of Coordination.com, John Dam Johnston. Hello, John. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm doing great. How are you doing, sir? I am I'm full of fear. Why do you say that? I don't know. Because you said I was fearless. I was trying to think of something I was afraid of. Well, I, I, I think I know. Spiders. I think I know what ails you, John. Well, you son of a bitch. <laughs> what ails Dehydration. me? Dehydration is the scourge of the planet. I wanna, Look what I, wanna... I have. Look what I have right fucking here. Right here in my hand. See this? People listen on the podcast. It's a big <laughs> cup. It's a big cup that's almost the length of my head. And you know what it's full of, Greg? Water. It is full of water. Dihydrogen monoxide. I want to. I want to read this excerpt from a book uh, that I've been really enjoying. Uh, most of my complaints to non-physicians were met with: "Are you drinking enough water? Are you staying hydrated?" Oh, really? I've never heard that suggestion. Drinking enough water? You don't say. It was only slightly annoying the first 37 times I heard it. But when it got to 38, I became convinced that everyone on the planet isn't drinking enough water and that chronic dehydration is the cause for most of the world's problems. Global warming? Not drinking enough water. Ebola pandemic slaughtering thousands? Not enough water. Lost your job? Should have had more water. <laughs> This uh, book that I'm thoroughly enjoying can be yours, Amazon.com. It's their very own John Johnston's Been Dead, Never Been to Europe. And the only way that it gets better than my reading it is with John reading it. And uh, we're here to tell you that by the end of 2021, we don't know how, but we're going to have Been Dead, Never Been to Europe, the audiobook. So, if any of you are, out there know okay. how to put together an audiobook, let us know. <laughs> but some guy pretending to be ah, me reading some high quality on the subway. <laughs> Maybe um, we'll. I think it should be a musical. Okay, that's what um, I'll work on. Next. Maybe we'll we'll shop it on Broadway or off Broadway. <laughs> Uh, seriously, uh, look, I know uh, John's beloved uh, here at Corn Nation and uh, across uh, really all of Husker Nation. Um, but what I've gleaned through, you know, the first probably third of the book, give or take, is is you get to, you get a lot of John's humor uh, coming through. So if you like uh, the stuff that you read on Corn Nation, if you like uh, what you hear on the Five Part Podcast, go to Amazon.com. Uh, search for John Johnston. Uh, no H in the John, uh, but definitely in the Johnston. Uh, and uh, or you can just you know type in Ben Dead, never been to Europe. It'll take you there. Uh, you can get the ebook, you know, the Kindle version. You can get the the uh, the physical copy like I have here because I like actual books. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with you know doing a little swipe. I guess that's a swipe left, and I don't know even in in uh, the online dating world of swiping left is good or bad. I, I don't know. Never, never been. Um, but anyway, check out Ben dead. Never been to Europe. John Johnston's book uh, after surviving the Widowmaker. 
So, but that's that a nice ad, Greg. That's Thank a nice you. ad. People should know that when they search for John Johnston without an H in the first name, that I am not a Christian writer. Because there will be a number of Christian books that come up from some other guy named John Johnston that should not be confused with me. So maybe well, I'm sure that I could write about Christianity with some level of validity. I don't think people would find me very credible because of all the swearing. Right. So, okay. That, no, okay. That, that raises an interesting question. Yes. Um, and it's it pertains to the book. More importantly, John, it pertains to you. You were dead for 20 minutes. Do you have any? Did you see anything? Did you? Did, you didn't did get you, to the end of the book yet. I, John, I told you today I was on page 56, 56. That th this is where I'm at. And this is how much I have left to go. OK, well, so that question the book, is answered. Don't spoil it. The question okay. is answered in the last chapter. Well, the second to last chapter. I edited this thing and moved shit around so many times. I can't remember what's in there exactly anymore. Well, I know I'm what's excited. not in there. You know what's not in there, Greg? Uh, is it uh, uh, your uh, Blue Chew advertisement for no, you and your wife? <laughs> My wife is a very modest person, so there's I not know. really much. Uh, what, are, what is not in that book is any references to the giant dent I have in my head. Like Cousin Eddie. I don't know, but I woke up and I have, I still have, I have a very giant dent right in the crown of my head right here. And it's a dent. It's not a scar. They didn't do surgery. It was never a cut, nothing, just a really big fucking dent in the top of my head. And that will be in the, another book called the mystery of the dent in my head. And what happened was my, I, you know, I had an editor work with me on this book and my developmental editor said, you need to remove all the references to the dent in your head. <laughs> and I said, why, why would I remove the dent in my head? Well, you know, the references to the dent in my head. Right. And she said, because it takes away from the main story. And because, you know, it's, Sets there's a, a lot of stuff that go, there is a lot of stuff that goes into the dent. And she said, People will get confused and you really need to remove that. You could do something else with it. And I said, so you mean write another book called The Mystery of the Dent in my head? And she goes, that is an excellent idea. So that is not in the book. There's no reference to the giant fucking dent that's in my head that nobody has ever told me why there's a giant dent in my head. Interesting. Which is, you know, you... In every TV show or every 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 reference, you see some fucking guy wake up from a coma, and he wakes up from a coma, and what's he do? Um, he goes, "Did we win?" Like like he's aware of everything around him. The last thing he did, did we win the game? Did we you, win? I got you. Yeah. What happened to Bob? You know that does that's not how this works. And I realize they do that for TV shows and movies because. They don't want to show some guy looking around a room going, what the fuck? Why am I still here and not in heaven? <laughs> Wait, why, did, why did you bring me back to this hell on earth? But uh, that's the first thing I did when I woke up out of my coma was I actually ran my hand up across the top of my head and I felt this giant dent in my head. And then there was a giant bump on the back of my head. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, I've had a horrible head injury. And nobody would talk to me about my head. 
I, I asked, why is there a giant dent in my head? And everybody ignored me. So that's not in the work. No, I can't, I can't wait for uh, the mystery of the dent in my head. Uh, John Justin, 2022. Be looking forward to on Amazon and wherever fine books are sold. Yes, exactly. Okay, what are we doing? What are we doing that's Husker related now that we got into that? Skin? I think, you know what, I before we jump on topic and and, and, uh, and stop discussing you and, and uh, uh, by the way, we're all tickled to death that you're still with us. Or tickled oh, to life, you. you'll put it. Uh, but I really do think that that uh, the reason that you're with us is to remind people to stay hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! This will never go away. Now no, I'm, I'm so excited. I, fucking I, just, uh, you know, honest I, to God, everybody that I'd say, God, I got a headache. Are you drinking enough water? Fuck you. Fuck your water. Fuck your hydration. You know, we, we, I'm going to pull the old man card and say, when we were kids, you know what we did? We drank out of a fucking water hose. We didn't have to have purified water out of a plastic bottle and infest the earth with goddamn plastic. But now yep. we find it necessary, even though we have the cleanest water supply on planet Earth, to litter the earth with plastic bottles. There's my environmental activist side of me coming out. What do you got, Husker related? God bless it. Greg, you poopy butt. I was just going to say, I was. I, I read your book when I take my wife uh, across the river to uh, uh, see her doctor. Uh, uh, and so we're in the waiting room. And, and so I messaged John as I'm reading this paragraph. I said, hey, buddy, do you need a drink of water? <laughs> and his response was predictable. So uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, it's the water of the month club. So <laughs> uh, Husker News. <laughs> Um, well, we are going to talk some basketball uh, on this episode because the Husker men picked up their uh, first win uh, of in Big Ten play in 25, 26 tries, something like that. Meanwhile, we're recording this a night earlier than usual. You'll still hear it on Friday. We're recording it uh, Wednesday night. And earlier this evening, the Husker women uh, completed a sweep, a season sweep of ranked Northwestern. So we uh, tip our caps uh, to uh, to that squad. And and uh, but one of the guys, one of the trio of hosts uh, from of uh, Bangarangs and Daggers, which is a podcast that you can occasionally hear right here on uh, the Coordination Podcast uh, when they have time to put together an episode. Uh, one of those guys is going to be joining us as soon as he gets home. Uh, from his busy schedule to uh, talk about uh, Nebraska because they took number six, Illinois to overtime and, and had an opportunity and lost that one. And then they came back uh, and, and beat Penn state. So I know that, you know, obviously this is a season unlike any other, you really didn't have a non-conference schedule um, and you're limited in, in, you know, what you can do. And, and I don't know, I, I don't see it, at the NCAA level, but I know that finally in Illinois, uh, high school athletics uh, has started again, and all of the kids on the floor playing on the floor are all wearing masks. And I don't know if you've seen that in in Minnesota or or if you know our friends in in Nebraska have have seen that, but they're running up and down the court with masks because that's how ridiculous the state of Illinois is. Well, you know, I was on Twitter earlier tonight and I saw a, a hashtag about uh, California and that they, nobody can play high school sports out there and that they're the 
only state now in the nation that doesn't get to play high school sports. So hmm. I don't know. I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. When I was in high school, uh, you, you know, were hoping somebody would spit I, on you. What? You were hoping somebody'd spit on you. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, I love playing football. I wasn't that good at it, but I mean, it really, honest to God, if I, I might've mentioned this in a past podcast, but you grew up in a small town. There really wasn't much else to do but play sports. You know, I didn't play basketball and fuck when, you know, basketball was on and I wasn't playing any sports. I pretty much just committed crimes. You know, and I, hmm. I'm, I'm not going to go into what they were or what, what I did, but. Uh, it's okay. Uh, statute of limitations. You're, you're fine. You know, if you don't give these fucking kids something to do, they're going to find shit to do themselves. And I don't understand why governor, I don't live in California, but that state is a fucked up state. It's been a fucked up state for many years, way before now, in terms of not being governor because the people are such whack jobs out there or something. I don't know what the fuck the deal is with that state. But uh, I, what are you supposed to do with all these kids? They, you know, they're going to sports is their way out of a environment that shit. Right. Not give a fuck about them because you're a political shithead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the same governor that went to a dinner, didn't wear a mask, didn't practice social distancing, but everybody else is supposed to follow his fucking rules. Man, I should be quiet now because the next thing that was going to come out of my mouth was probably illegal. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, so, California, um, yeah, so I saw that on Twitter, you know, and I, I used TweetDeck, so I clicked on the hashtag, which creates a column, and you can see all the people posting in that column. And, uh, you know, I don't, it just, it's a sad situation for California. Yeah. I can get uh, that this virus is nasty and it's deadly for some people. And yes, the children pass it on to adults. But again, I'm going to go back to the fact that there's an inherent risk in life that we all take every time we get up and get in our car. We go to the bathroom. We go out through our daily lives. And I, if, if you think that there's not any level, an inherent risk in being alive, you got to be some special kind of dipshit. There you go. That's my tirade for the moment. I like it. And uh, we welcome to the Five Heart Podcast uh, our friend from of Bang Rings and Daggers and, of course, coordination.com. Uh, he is uh, a Spartan by blood, a Husker by marriage. He is Kevin Knight. Hello, Kevin. Welcome again to uh, the Five Heart Podcast. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for having me. What's the, what's the background? That is Pinnacle Bank Arena. Oh, it is. Yep. I don't know. Yep. I haven't seen the inside of the place really for, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's very. Uh, I figure yep. everybody would much prefer seeing that than my kitchen in my one bedroom apartment here in Washington, D.C. I know I would prefer to see that. So hence the background. You know, I, oh. I did a Zoom. I did a Zoom meeting this morning. And uh, one of the guys had the background. You know what he had for a background? I'm scared to a ask. Photo, a photo he'd taken of me 
and my head filled up this much of the screen with this hair, except that it was all like sticking up in the air because it was like at 7 a.m. and we had a server outage. That was his freaking background. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. That's like terrifying to look at. It's, it was very intimidating. He just he loved the shit out of it. Anyway, so that your background is much nicer. Good job. Well, Kevin, after uh, we reminded our listeners the importance of uh, drinking plenty of water and staying hydrated, we just barely scratched the surface of talking about uh, Nebraska ball, uh, mm-hmm. men's basketball, and and some of their recent successes. And I know the idea of a moral victory is kind of out the window, but when you take the number six team in the country to overtime and you, you have an opportunity uh, to win the game before overtime, I mean, there, there's got to be something said for – the trajectory. I know the season we got before you joined on. We got I, I inadvertently sidetracked us, but uh, a season unlike any other. Uh, you don't have much of a non-conference schedule, uh, and you know you're you're doing your best uh, with the Big Ten, and, and then you get COVID and you shut down for a month, things like that. So playing as many games in as few of days as the Huskers have done, but there's a lot of reason I think for you know, fans, Nebraska fans to be encouraged by what they've seen the last few weeks from this team. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and actually to, to go on the schedule for just a minute, um, I had mentioned this on my way out the door uh, from Xfinity Center, because um, I'm not sure if you guys had already mentioned, but just in case you hadn't, um, I did cover the game last night at Xfinity Center against Maryland and tonight. And uh, on, on my way out the door from Xfinity, I mentioned that uh, Coach Hoiberg had some interesting comments in the post game tonight, um, which uh, I did cover on the Bangs and Dags Twitter account. I just didn't take the time to share the link to that or, or share uh, you know what specifically was said. But what I was referencing was he was asked if the schedule was essentially a, here you go, you're going to play these games directive from the Big Ten, or if there was any kind of sign off, say that uh, the, the Huskers got to have with it. And essentially, it was a little bit of both, mostly directive of you're going to play these games on these dates, um, which I there was a... Um, Sorry, my, my dog is playing with a, a squeak toy. Um, so uh, anyway, The Athletic actually had a really interesting article where they talk with uh, basically the head of the Big Ten office in terms of what goes into scheduling all these. And I mean, it's not just simply uh, here's a calendar. We're going to pencil in this game on this day. It's really like at least I, I think they cited 11 calls with each school to try and arrange the dates minimum. In terms of that. So, I mean, you, you get on the phone, you talk to them about this. Hey, how about this? We need to work out. Can we fit it on TV? Are we going to have to sacrifice having it on TV? Do we have facilities for it? Because, you know, I mean, it's probably a little bit easier in a pandemic where you're not necessarily needing them, but the women are also playing, you know, there are still other things going on in the arenas at times. So do you even have an arena to play in? Uh, in, in the case of Nebraska, um, the, the thing that was most interesting was, uh, Coach Hoiberg actually said, basically, Nebraska asked, can we just do back to back? Because originally what the Big Ten had suggested was giving them tonight off and then playing again tomorrow night. And instead, uh, which by complete luck, really, um, 
based on on weather forecasts because it probably would have been pretty disastrous <laughs> considering how the DC region handles snow um, and the fact that there's a snowstorm coming in in the early hours this morning. Um, they they asked and got permission to just do back to back and Maryland agreed to just do that. So that way, even though they had dead legs as a result tonight, unfortunately, they still get two days off before Purdue and get to go back. But they were still being planned to play two games at Maryland, sacrificing the game at Nebraska. That was supposed to happen this week on Wednesday as the schedule was originally laid out. Um, so, I mean, there, there was still going to be the home game loss, but the back to back was something that Nebraska asked for. Hey, Husker Hoop Central uh, did a tweet that I put in the Slack room in which they said Nebraska could play as few games as Michigan is playing if it wanted to. It could play no more games if it wanted to. This is Nebraska wanting to play these games and the conference letting them. What do you is that is that true? Uh, that actually also got brought up in the post game and was also something that was kind of an interesting answer. Um, basically, the gist of how Nebraska is being scheduled, it seems suggestive that Michigan is going to be forced to play as many games as they're told to. And I I only read paraphrasing of Coach Howard's uh, press conference from last week, I want to say. Um, I never actually bothered surprise, surprise, me not wanting to look up something that a Michigan coach said. Uh, but the the paraphrasing from non-MSU people, uh, because I did seek that out for a little bit less bias, seemed to suggest that he doesn't want to play a full 20-game schedule at this point. Surprise, surprise, considering the fact that they're sitting in first. Um, yeah. But he seemed suggestive that they also are going to be forced to play as many games as the Big Ten can figure out how to squeeze into the remaining schedule. And uh, Coach Hoiberg, when asked about, you know, is it fair, um, you know, that you're being forced to play these games? Should Michigan have to? Is it fair if Michigan doesn't? Basically, his gist was, what's fair in a pandemic anymore? Like, I I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't have an opinion on that. We're just going to play the games that we have. And basically, it's a, you know, diplomatic coach answer, um, which was, was nice to see, even if, you know, they get Michigan is certainly appreciated by somebody like me. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think we all realize why they're playing as many as these games uh, as they can. And that's because there's a shit ton of money involved for the big 10, but a little bit. I mean, uh, I mean come on. The, if yeah. if I was Colin Cowherd or or Paul Feinbaum or Skip Bayless, I'd be going off on the Big Ten and Kevin Warren and uh, Michigan and the unfairness of it all. And basically, what you're kind of saying is, uh, be a reasonable person and take it easy. Is that what I'm getting for a message? I, I mean, I, not entirely. I think that our, everything going on at this point, I don't really think if you value the health and safety of athletes that we should be playing a full 20 game schedule for teams like Nebraska and Michigan at this point. Um, we didn't with football, but I also do want to say like, if you look at it logically, basketball isn't football. That's not to say that playing seven games in 12 days is at all sane or, 
useful for student athletes. I mean, it increases risk of injury. It's not good for them. You have results like what happened tonight where you have a Nebraska team that's just utterly dead and basically gives up halfway through the second half because they're just so tired, um, which I, I can get into later on, on my views on that. But um, yeah, I, it's easier to fit more basketball games and you can't play more than one football game in a week when you have it condensed as late as they did basketball had a little bit of benefit i think where for one we tried a non-conference definitely for money but i think that the trial of trying to do a non-conference also kind of showed it's not as useful and maybe if we would have just taken the time to start conference play sooner and just scrapped a non-conference altogether, it would be easy and totally possible to do a 20-game schedule given all the shutdowns that happened. Um, did anybody necessarily expect as many shutdowns or as long as they were necessarily either? Who knows? Probably not. But, I mean, who expects anything and actually expects what you expect to happen in the last 12 calendar months? So, Long story short, basically, I mean, yes, they're they're cramming in more basketball than they should. At this point, they should probably just rework everybody's schedule, make sure everybody plays one game against every other conference opponent, and then just finish out the series with only maybe 18 games or 17 games conference-wide instead and just scrap this. But they didn't do that. Um, if they're not going to do that, they should cancel the Big Ten tournament because, frankly, this year we're going to have nine or ten teams make the – NCAA tournament, most likely playing the big 10 tournament. The only real benefit is better seating and yeah. it helps, but it's not going to make the difference on is the first big 10 team since 2000 going to win a national title. No offense to Maryland. We're not going to claim your ACC national title in 2002 over Indiana. All right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So short of that, the 11 through 14 seeds or the 10 through 14 seeds aren't going to win the big 10 tournament get the auto bid. So what's the point of playing it other than money, which it is a TV contract, although it's probably a pretty small amount of the overall TV contract. And that's also probably to put it bluntly why they're doing that instead of the baseball tournament combined with the fact that um, as I understand it, and I'm, I don't know anything about baseball. I'm a typical big 10 guy in that regard. So my apologies if, if that hurts your feelings or anything, I just, as I understand it, the, the winner of the conference gets the auto bid, period. So if we crown a regular conference season champion without a tournament, they get the auto bid. And that's the entire point of these tournaments in the first place is the auto bid. It, it turned into money in the case of basketball. But, I mean, they have a Big Ten hockey tournament. And that doesn't make any money. Nobody makes money on hockey pretty much. So I'm going to read you a passage from an article over at Purdue uh, Travis Miller wrote it, Hammer and Rails, and it, it talks about their schedule with Nebraska. And it, it, it says as to why this game would be made up, the answer is simple, and he's talking about the Purdue-Nebraska game uh, money. Nebraska is not going to the NCAA tournament, but dragging their exhausted corpse around the Midwest over the next two and a half weeks allows the rest of the league to improve their tournament profiles with raw wins, thus increasing the chances of wins in the NCAA tournament and further TV shares because teams might have slightly better seeds. Any reaction to that? They're using us. 
I mean, marginally, but you're also talking to a guy who's a lifelong Michigan State fan. And the reality is, is no offense to the Huskers. Beating the Huskers, if you're not on the bubble, is irrelevant for the most part. You can win as a five seed. You can win as a four seed. You can win as a six seed. You can win as an eight seed. You can win as, I mean, you're not going to go very far as a 14 seed, but I mean, you can even win as a 14 seed. And you can definitely win as a one seed. Beating Nebraska is not going to be the difference between Michigan making a one seed or a two seed or Illinois making a two seed or a three seed and go on down the line. What really matters in the end is, um, and, and actually uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Paul Fanson over at the only colors. Who's a really great stats guy. Um, he, he's done a couple um, articles on these over the years, highlighting the fact that what's more important than getting the four seed versus the five seed is who you get paired up against because in the 2016 NCAA tournament, I, I'm going to break out crying bringing this up, but you know, the, the two seed that year got paired up against the team that had no business winning and went lights out insanely good from three point range and upset the two seed in the biggest seeding upset of the NCAA tournament. What matters is the pairing seed helps more often than not. It's the pairing that makes the biggest difference. So he's right, but don't read too much into that in terms of exaggeration. It, it helps, but not that much. We're going to have to have a conversation about being you being too reasonable and not a good enough ranty guy. <laughs> I mean, what the hell, man? Come just, on! If you want to rant, go back to any of the bangs and dags episode. <laughs> go off about Michigan. I, I have a question for Kevin that might lead to a rant. Uh, within the last week or so, I don't remember the exact date, but Nebraska took, you know, number five or number six, depending on what poll you're looking at, Illinois to overtime lost by five. I was reviewing Illinois' schedule uh, and they still have, they close out the season against Ohio State, who is, again, according to this particular poll, ranked number four and they have Illinois five. Nowhere on that, and, and this would be the, uh, I don't know, uh, a, like a, for, a, a debate for the conference tournament, but Illinois and Michigan did not meet this basketball season. So my question for Kevin is, why does Michigan fear Illinois? Um, well, so they cite health and safety as the reason why they couldn't come back. And... Based on Coach Howard's comments, nobody on the University of Michigan basketball team had COVID-19 during the, the shutdown. It was other sports programs that had one of the new variants, the one from England, uh, in conjunction with the state government. They decided that it was best to shut down for two weeks all athletic departments uh, activities. Um, coming back from that, the women's team played I believe that very night against Purdue and um, got their clocks cleaned. Michigan cited that they weren't ready and needed more time and agreed to postpone the game. 
And given the fact that they haven't played each other, that is one thing that the Big Ten is going to prioritize is making sure that everybody who hasn't played each other will play each other at least once. Although probably Michigan State, Michigan will be prioritized for two games as well, given that it is a protected rivalry. Although if we don't have to get our clocks cleaned by them twice, I'm all for it. Uh, Just go ahead and own up to that. I don't like getting the cream by Juwan Howard, that piece of. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah. that was as hey, close as we might get John to a Kevin rant. So I, I, I will say, I mean, I've been one of the biggest um, proponents of, of giving teams the doubt when a coach and, and program says, you know, uh, COVID-19, it's this, it's that. It, it, I, I've been one of the biggest proponents of that. But I'm sorry. You your guys can't work out in their apartments like everybody else in the conference did you, your guys can't, you know, do stretch cords and run up and down the stairwell and in, in isolation. It's, I mean, that kind of, yeah, Hey, I, I was, I ran track in Northern Michigan in, in the winter. I was out training for it after ski season ended in friggin' inches and inches of snow. I'm sorry. You can go outside in isolation and, and, and work out during all of that. Sorry, um, Greg, go ahead. What is ski season? Is that like wait? By that I mean I I I know winter and you know people can go skiing, but is was it like a state sanctioned like high school sport? Yeah. Um. So it's uh, not not to bore everybody. The most uh, high school sports in Michigan are divided by class A, class B, class C, class D. Um. Skiing had a couple of what we call fudgy schools. So schools from downstate in the Detroit area, um, like uh, Lake Orion High School, uh, you know, the the rich suburbs of Detroit. Um, They would go to places like Mount Brighton, which is literally a garbage dump with a ski lift on it. And us guys up in northern Michigan and and girls, actually, because uh, my junior year of high school, the girls won the state uh, title and then had the trophy break because nobody's holding on to it. And we took a turn and, you know, Michigan has this thing called the upper peninsula and it does not make for a very stable trophy if it's involved in any type of accident. So the state title for Boeing city high school, class B 2007, um, has a crack down the line of the UP where it was glued back together. If you look at it in the trophy case, very close, but yeah, so we do, um, giant slalom and slalom. Uh, you can't really do Alpine in Michigan. It's not really, uh, I'm sorry, not Alpine. I sound like an idiot. Um, nobody long since I've (laughs) Uh, downhill rather, um, that downhill courses. So, uh, but we do GS and slalom. Um, so it's, it's kind of fun actually doing slalom where you get to go out and hit a pole as, as you, you know, go through it. But wow. So yeah, so I, I did that in high school by comparison. Stay with me, everybody. Illinois has bass fishing. <laughs> wow. High school, high school level state 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 sanctioned bass fishing. What did I say before Kevin got on here? Uh, drink plenty of water. No, I said if you don't have shit to do, you just go out and commit crimes. Didn't I? Yep. So bass fishing is a damn good way to keep kids from committing crimes, Greg. True. However, most both growing up and, and you know looking at the kids now, most of the kids who 
would choose bass fishing as a recreational activity, not even competitive, they're not the type to go out and commit crimes anyway. They just want to spend a little bit, maybe, you know, drinking a few too many bush lights uh, on the pond or something like that. Um, but never, wow. never seen, never seen a whole lot of uh, bass fishers, uh, fishermen or women, you know, stirring up trouble. Keeps the Kevin. teenagers off the roads, at least, right? That's Kevin. right. Uh-huh. How much of a decre- how much of a drop off when when Derek Gott Walker goes out of the game? How much is there a drop off on our offense? Um, you know, he actually. Um, okay, so live stats was broken, so I didn't really have a great yeah. uh, total on it. Uh, they delivered first half and second half stats, and we're like, you know, you can add it up. And I didn't bring a pen with me. Um, Actually, I, ha- I have a pen, but it ran out of ink. So, um, He's good. Uh, for a guy who takes one pen to the game. <laughs> well, so I, I left my other pen here because gotcha. I, I I run a meeting on Thursday mornings and I, I use that. Although, I, anyway, uh, extraneous information. Um, I mean, he's good. Uh, his inability to play last night because he wasn't feeling well definitely hurt the Huskers. Um, especially against a small lineup like Maryland has. Uh, that was one of the things that they didn't have the advantage of tonight. I think um, if, I, if I remember right, Maryland uh, did pretty well with uh, a little bit of a zone at times, I think. I, I'm out of it. I'm tired. I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure that they had a little bit of a zone at times, or at least they they sunk off uh, the Huskers and, and blocked the, uh, lane a lot more tonight than they did last night. Um, so it's, it's something that they could have taken advantage of better last night tonight, even when they did drive, even when Walker was in, it just wasn't open and they weren't hitting their shots. And while they're dead, missing a lot of those layups isn't entirely just being tired. It's also, they're just not a good team down low. Um, I, I I guess some of it too was to be fair that they weren't getting as much elk, uh, height on their jump, and so it was easier to be blocked. Or you know, in in response to that, they'd sink back a little bit on the layup and not drive as much to the rim as they might have the night before. But I mean, even the night before, with less dead legs, they still couldn't hit the broadside of a barn on a layup half the time. And yeah. come on, like your D one scholarship players. A lot of you are transfers from other D1 scholarship positions. Like, you need to make a freaking layup. Come on. Well, you you could debate that. I mean, let's be honest. I I love Yvonne Drago. I love the kid. I like the fact that he started playing when he was 17. You were hoping for progression from him, but right now he doesn't look like a Big Ten basketball player. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's COVID-19, feeling. but he's regressed a lot since he first yeah. started playing for Nebraska last year. Um, I mean, he, he regressed a little bit last season. This season, it's um, significantly lower in terms of, of results. And, and Andre looks like a kid who could have massive amounts of potential. Well, he does have massive amounts of potential, but – He's extremely raw and, and uh, inexperienced, but uh, could become something special later on. Yeah, definitely so. some time in the weight room, year under his belt in a normal Big Ten season. I think he's got a lot of potential down low, but still just a true freshman this year. 
that uh, well i want to get eventually talking about uh the penn state game uh, because it is like the shining beacon of of hope uh i saw that this was raised uh, this conversation was raised quite a bit i, I believe in slack and it was like you're starting five if you were assuming you know we weren't hadn't played you know as of tonight seven games in 13 days or whatever ridiculous number it is uh, maybe less um but it, best five best unit you know uh who who are you putting on the floor as, as your starters kevin good question um maybe it was just i mean he did well from three point range I would consider taking uh, Delano Banton out of the lineup, though. Um, I think it was just the game tonight. But tonight, specifically, he had such terrible ball control at times. He was, he was great from three-point range. Um, last night, he did really well running the point. Tonight, he didn't. So, I mean, I'm just immediate overreaction, so to speak, on, on that. I mean, really leave him at point guard. But I think he would be the one that I would maybe consider saying take him out. Um, after that, I'd probably leave Trey McGowan's in, uh, obviously you have to leave Teddy Allen in, but I, I'd rather see him play less time. Um, I, all right, there's, there's a faction of the Michigan's actually, there's not even a faction of them. Michigan state fans, uh, have a familiar figure to look to in terms of a different uh, position at center, Nick Ward. Anytime the ball went to Nick Ward, he was a strong offensive presence. He was also a black hole. If the ball went to him, whether he had a shot or not, the ball ain't going to nobody else on offense. And I think Teddy Allen is a lot like that as well. He's obviously their best scorer, but at times I don't think he looks to move the ball when he should and he forces things and i think the team lets him do that the the other players let him do that and i think that he looks to do that because they don't want to if if that makes sense like it's it's a little bit of a he's ball hog by necessity the other it's players almost, want him to be ball hog it, it's almost as if they go into these droughts and they're like could somebody score yeah <laughs> Yeah, honestly, they don't yeah. go. Come, I'm gonna go score. They go. Could somebody else score? Could say, could, hey, could you score? And then Teddy Allen goes, "Fuck you guys, I'm hero ball." And yeah, then, so, you know, but and so, and then beyond that, I I leave Latman and um, uh, Derek Walker in. Uh, maybe consider if Latman's you know coming off a bad game, sub him in out rather for Eduardo Andre. But that would probably be my starting five. So I, I pulled a few uh, statistics, and this is uh, up to the game against Maryland on the 16th. So, you know, again, this, we're recording this uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, um, and looking at Teddy Allen, he's uh, shooting, you know, just over 43% uh, from the field and, and uh, just about 36% from behind the arc. Um, I mean, is that – I feel like this is a stupid question, but like, if if this is baseball, I know where where that average, it, you know, is. If you're hitting if you're hitting four thirty two, you're doing something that hadn't been done in feel like seventy years. But if you're shooting four thirty, you know, forty three point two percent from the field, uh, 
that's underwhelming. I mean, is that, I feel like it could be better. Is that play into, you know, uh, the, the point that you were making Kevin about, you know, he's getting the ball, you know, where that ball is going. It's not going to a teammate type of, you know, and then we just need more of those shots to go in or, or is 43.2% from the field, a good statistic. Yeah. Um, sorry. Give me one second just to look up a nice comparison because my, my gut reaction to that is no, but I, one second. Um, We're also you'd like to see it in the 60 range, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, 60% you're going to see from really, truly elite guys. Um, that are centers you're, you're not really going to see from field goal uh range um yeah i mean he's he could be slightly better but he's not terrible um so he needs to finish stronger from the rim or at at the rim rather to see that go up again when you're even a, a bigger guy like him playing on the wing uh, you go down low and you try to challenge some of the centers, especially when you're going up against guys like Kofi Cockburn with Illinois. Um, what, what's the name? Robin Robbins or Robinson? The Robins. the transfer from Minnesota. Yeah, Robins. Ro- Robbins. You know, you're going up against big guys like that. Um, you're just at too much of a height and size advantage uh, a lot of time to be able to finish as well. And I mean, also when you're a wing guy, you're going to be pulling up inside the three point arc, although Toyberg um, doesn't really value these types of shots and for valid stats reasons, um, you know, the long twos aren't going to be as accurate as a, you know, shot from right at the, the block, so to speak. Right. So, so he's not bad, but also, you know, could be a couple percentage points better. You know, he's at 43. If, if he could be 45, then he'd be a much more elite shooter rather than just really good to, Okay. You know, borderline great. It's interesting. The question is, everybody wants answered from you, basketball guy. Why the yeah. hell can't we make free throws? They're free <laughs> shots. There's literally nobody next to you, and we shoot like ten percent. It's right there in the name, free. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, I mean, on a night like tonight, it's going to be uh, just because they're tired, dead legs, dead focus mentally so to speak but in other games i i mean they've lost games because they're not making free throws oh yeah i mean that that happens at every level definitely um and i mean there's off games but they consistently put themselves at a huge disadvantage in a lot of games not doing that and when it comes down to it against say illinois they would have won if they would have right. made a couple more during regulation so i Half the time, it's just something that's mental. Sometimes you just get into a funk and don't make them. Okay. That's pretty much You it. know what I did for the first half? I hate to admit this, of this game tonight. There was 15 minutes before the game, and I was screwing around with YouTube TV, and I turned on South Park, and it was the man-bear-pig episode. I'm super serial. Yeah. <laughs> And I started watching it and I couldn't stop. And then I didn't watch part of the first half because I was still watching Al Gore. And uh, you know what happens in that episode is they have to find out who made the deal with the devil that cost them all those people's lives, a man, bear, bear pig attacking people. And I want to, we need to start a coronation investigative series 
to discover who, when, and where made a deal years ago that now we have to live through the shit we're going through because all of our Nebraska sports, or men's sports are getting, except for wrestling, are getting killed and pounded. And it's clear that somebody back in the 70s, probably before the eve of the 1978 Oklahoma game, made a deal with some kind of beast or the devil that is costing us all of these games. So wait, was it the Imagination Land episode of South no, Park with Nightmare Pig? No, it, it was the original one with like the fake gold treasure, right? That, that was the original Man episode Bear that Pig, introduced uh, Satan Man Bear gets Pig. killed. You know, Al Gore constantly wants people to tell him he was right and apologize to him. Okay, yeah. So and then they uh, finally at the everybody's playing Red Dead Redemption two in it. Oh, okay. That was a, a second. Game that, that was a second episode of of it. The original Man Bear Pig episode, on um, where they introduce the concept of half man, half bear, half pig, man bear pig, um, is like back in season set eight, I want to say. Um, and so the the super serial reference, Greg, by the way, because I I saw the the reaction on your face to that. Al Gore um, will go around and be like, why won't anybody believe me? I'm super serial, is, is his line. So when he's trying to tell people about the dangers of man bear pig. I'm a South Park aficionado, so. Are you? See, I don't I, not, not, not an expert, but I mean, I, I like the show, yeah. So it's a good one. I, I, I think this, you know, when we get really heavy into the off season, say in late May or June or something like that, we should start an investigation. The possibilities of who made this deal. That's uh, definitely something to explore. So, um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I, I guess let's uh, talk, talk about something good, though. The, the win over Penn State was great. Um, yeah. So, uh yeah, big big thumbs up from Greg on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, it was nice to finally see him get the monkey off their back in terms of getting the the win in the Big Ten. Um, you know, they they finally were able to move the ball well. They almost spoiled it really uh, with um, and and Coach Hoiberg talked about this last night in the post game because it was probably again against Maryland and why they lost game one against Maryland um, is just partly due to the tired legs, you can just see them fall off a cliff in terms of ball movement and movement off the ball, even on offense. And they did it against Penn state and they did it a lot earlier against uh, Maryland. And that was the difference. Um, you know, but when they weren't doing that, they were hitting their shots. They were doing well. And frankly, Penn state's more towards the bottom of the league. So it was nice going against one of the few competitive opponents that they have this season to face in one of the deepest years, probably ever in the big 10, um, not to just, you know, harp on that too much, but I mean, it, it is a reality. This is one of the deepest conferences. I'm not saying it necessarily as the elite teams like a Baylor or a Gonzaga, although Gonzaga doesn't compete in a real conference, but they did have some good uh, non-conference wins early in the season. So by all means, you know, they're, they're an elite team. Would they be undefeated if they played real opponents all conference season long? Probably not, but, you know, I digress. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a deep conference with some of the best teams in the country and just a heck of a lot of good ones. 
So it, it's tough. And Penn State is going to be one that hopefully they can get another win over when they come, if they come. No, I'm sorry. That, that one did get added uh, next week. Hopefully they can keep that momentum up and get another win next week as well. So. Well, yeah, I no, think they're starting to look like a basketball team. You know, I mean, they like you can see the kind of the foundation is there. You can see the athleticism. You can even see, I think, the depth that when they, you know, in years past, I, you felt like they had four decent players and one guy was out there because he was a body where now they have, you know, five guys on the floor that can play basketball all the time. And they, they might even have like eight guys that are actually capable of playing Big Ten basketball maybe not at the elite level, but at least playing Big Ten basketball. And we haven't had that in ever, maybe. I don't know. I want to point out a, a, a roster discrepancy because this time last year uh, we had a certain uh, uh, young lad from Iceland uh, who was starting. And now, I mean, maybe it's because I don't follow it, don't, don't watch it regularly, but, I mean, where's Thor? That's actually something that um, kind of irks me a little bit, uh, if I'm being blunt. And I, I brought this up, actually, as the last question in the um, postgame conference um, in, in a less direct way, uh, which is I don't think he gets as many minutes as he should. Um, he's not the best athlete on the team, but he's one of the premier defenders on the team. And frankly, they can definitely benefit from having him out on the floor more defensively. And uh, I, I think Coach Hoiberg kind of uh, highlighted this a little bit. My way of asking about it was highlighting the fact that he doesn't really get hardly any three-point shots anymore this season when he is on the floor. Because um, his minutes, uh, when, when I looked him up, it was only down. He was averaging about 28 minutes a game last season, I think it was. And this season he's down to more like 20.8, although I'm not sure that that's updated even with Maryland last night. Um, let alone tonight where he really was not on the floor hardly at all, which considering how dead everybody's legs were, that made even less sense to me tonight. Um, but uh, I, he seems to be facing a little bit of a confidence issue. Um, uh, I mean, all the guys are at, at certain times, but him a little bit longer. Um, I, I don't know if maybe that's a fact that he's coming off the bench now instead of starting it's played with his head a little bit. I don't know if he's coming back from COVID, if he, if he had it. Um, I, I don't know if he's missing home. You know, the inability to interact with people from back home is, is messed. I mean, there could be a number of things factoring into it, but it all boils down to uh, he's somebody that I think could be better used, even on offense. He's a smart player that overcomes his athletic discrepancies with some of the more uh, skilled guys ahead of him in, in that regard. He puts himself in a position on the floor um, and that's actually paraphrasing Hoiberg. He, he puts himself on a position in the floor to do good things, both on offense and defense. If you let him and if you look for him, and I just don't think that anybody on the team really looks for him in, in that regard. Um, sometimes he does, uh, you know, Penn state, he actually took a couple shots that it was nice to see. They didn't necessarily fall all the time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's just somebody that needs to get out of a funk and get targeted more by teammates with the ball and, and not be afraid to shoot it. All right. And I can live with that. I mean, if you think about it, he's the only returning player who actually played 
on last year's team. I'm, I'm, do I have that right? That, that was last year um, that okay. that was the case. This year, uh, Udra Ago, um, uh, I think I got that roughly right. Um, he would have been one of the main starters. Obviously, he's seeing much reduced minutes, but uh, that's because, frankly, there's a lot better options down low um, compared to him. Um, let's see. Uh, God, who are the other guys? Um, I mean, I, those might be. I don't know. There, there, there's a couple guys that saw minutes last season. Um, he's one of two guys basically that come to the top of my mind that uh, actually saw significant minutes last year, and he's still seeing a decent minutes. I just don't think he's being used as well as he could be. You know, he, he's not starter other, level this year, but he should right. see the floor more. Sorry, go ahead. A couple, no, a couple other uh, uh, players that I wanted to ask you about, and, and kind of get your opinion on if if they're seeing the the ideal time on, on the floor that, that you think uh, one would be the transfer uh, Kobe Webster. And then, I mean, I guess when you say transfer, you gotta be more specific <laughs> with this uh, Nebraska team. So transfers uh, and the other Shamil Stevenson, who I thought was, you know, supposed to come in highly touted and, and he's not, you know, in, in the, in the world of Teddy Allen and Trey McGowan's and, and uh, you know, Derek Walker, you just don't hear as much about Shamil Stevenson. Yeah, Stevenson, I, I don't know if, again, I, I don't know if it maybe it's a COVID issue, but he hasn't seen the floor a ton, I don't think, in the, the last couple games. He saw it quite a bit tonight and had some good production overall. Um, what was it? He came close to breaking double digits if he didn't. Um, I, again, there's just so many new names trying to remember all the time, and it's a little late on Wednesday night. Uh after a couple of long, long weeks. So uh, I get it. sorry, I don't remember off the top of my head necessarily, but um, yeah, he's somebody who I think when he's up for it, he's seeing the floor as much as he should. Uh, and Kobe Webster had a couple of good shots tonight, but again, he is a Western Illinois transfer. Um, Stevenson was a little bit more prominent of a transfer. Webster is somebody who comes from, very elite three-point shooting background, and he did have some games against Big Ten teams. I mean, he saw Indiana, for example, at one point uh, playing at Western Illinois, um, right, Indiana? Pretty sure Indiana. It, no, is he from one of the Indiana schools? I I don't know. Anyway. Kobe he, Webster, I think you're right, at Western Illinois. Yeah, um, he he's good, but he's not somebody that I think should be seeing more minutes than he is once again. Um, he, he's somebody who can give some good minutes, uh, giving somebody else a breather, and he can hit the shot if if he's open and you get it to him. Um, but I, I don't think that he's somebody who's being underutilized at this point. We've got one more question, uh, and I'm, I'm probably at least going to have to go. <laughs> but uh, uh, as we look uh, at the rest of the regular season schedule, uh, we mentioned Purdue coming up uh, actually this Saturday and it almost feels like we we've run the gauntlet. You know, we're through that, that period of a bunch of games in a short amount of time. And now you get, you know, a game and a few days off and then a game and then a few days off. So it seems like, you know, with the exception of the, the turnaround uh, you know, the, the, that Illinois game looks like it's still kind of fluid somewhere in that first week of March, but, but uh, you know, it seems like, Schedule wise, the the timing and spacing is getting kind of back to normal. Yeah, I mean it is, but there's also still uh, I want to say 
three more games, not counting the Illinois game, which actually still needs a date formally, uh, that do still need dates added into the final schedule at this point. So, I mean, again, think about uh, this week um, and the games that went into this week and last week and how short of notice. I think maybe the average day ahead of time was like five days notice on on some of those games, maybe, uh, maybe six. So, I mean, we need, we, we have Purdue coming up on Saturday, but we have another game at Purdue that's technically still needing made up. Um, we have a game against Minnesota at home in, in Lincoln, a road game at Iowa, the home game against Penn State, and a road game at Illinois all need made up. The one at Illinois is the only one that really has a date in mind in that it's going to be played at at some point in the final week of the season. So in, in that regard, uh, there's still some games left. Uh, playing each team once is a priority. Then the, um, at Iowa is the only one that I think we can kind of with clear uh, evidence know that that one is going to be made up at some point and squeezed in at some point, no ifs, ands, or buts, because otherwise we want to play the Hawkeyes. And it won't allow us to make them cry when we upset them and angry Fran breaks a clipboard and throws a chair and runs after the ref into the uh, you know tunnel. Well, I'm sorry, throwing a chair. That That's Uncle Bobby Knight. Never mind. I, Fran could do that. I'd be okay with it. <laughs> And no relation on Bobby Knight. I'm not actually related to him. But John, did you have anything else for our esteemed uh, guest and colleague tonight? No, I don't think so. Okay, we're going to wrap it up because if you haven't been able to tell on on the uh, the video version uh, of this week's show, uh, I've got a five year old who's just dying to get on camera, and uh, I'm trying to prevent that because we use a lot of colorful language that he didn't need to hear. Uh, so I think that'll do it for this episode of the five heart podcast. Thanks again to Kevin Knight and uh, check out at uh, the next opportunity of bangerangs and daggers right here on uh, coronation. So for Kevin, for John Johnston, I'm Greg Mahochko reminding you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John, are you drinking enough water? Go big red. <laughs>